Canucks Central Tuesday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. We're coming to you from the Kintech studio. And Canucks Central is brought to you by Grip Auto Entire Quality Service. You can trust and 14 locations to serve you. Um, we might need to rename the show uh, until there is a resolution, Sat. Horvat Central. Oh, yeah. Uh, until there's a resolution with Bull Horvat and until I overcome this run of illnesses <laughs> that I've been hammered with this past month. So re- no resolution yet on Bull Horvat and me apparently getting healthy uh, the past month or so. <laughs> uh, well, uh, you, you braved through it yesterday uh, going, going through the people show. Bro, I almost ran out of gas, and I almost like it was. It was so funny. I was so hyped up for the first segment. I'm like, all right, finally back on air. You know me, I get antsy if I have like one day just sitting around doing nothing. So yeah. four days leading up to yesterday was just murder for me. And then I finally get on air. I'm so hyped, and I realize my lungs they're not up to capacity with the flu. <laughs> so like I almost ran out of gas. Like I was out of breath the first five minutes, but then settled in. Well, uh, continuing uh, to to bring the heat here, <laughs> even at less than a hundred percent, Sad is actually playing hurt. Let's do it. Uh, so uh, you know you can uh, you can uh, give him a tip of the cap for continuing <laughs> to do that uh, as uh, as it happens because there is a lot to continue to discuss. Right, there's more fallout now with with Bo Horvat. Irfan Gafar is going to join us uh, coming up a little bit later on this hour. The best uh, roundtable of inside info you get on your Vancouver Canucks each and every week, every Tuesday, and. Yesterday, the news of a rejected contract offer. Today, we get a statement from the Vancouver Canucks on behalf of their captain, Bo Horvat. And Bo goes on to talk about it after practice today. By now, everybody's seen the statement. They've heard the statement. And it is what it is. I I guess where I really get into this set or maybe what's baffling to me is what's this all about? Like, Mm. you know, who's trying to game what from what here with how this has played out over the last couple of days. And and that's the real fascinating part about everything here that's going on. And I know Dollywall today mentioned that this statement had Pat Morris written all over it. Uh, I believe the statement very much came from the Bull Horvat side. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think this was a, hey, management and the and the organization decided to take it upon themselves. I think it was definitely something that came from the player side, most likely the agent, uh, I, I would assume. So I think that should tell you something about, so where is this stuff coming from? And listen, I am not trying to, you know, out anybody's sources or anything like that. But when you see what happened yesterday, and then the player comes out and says he doesn't want to have comment, it doesn't seem like at least somebody on the player side is is pushing this. You know what I mean? Like that's what it seems like at the very least. So I found that to be very very telling that it was Bull Horvat after everything yesterday who came out to say, "Hey, I I, I don't want to address this anymore." So the statement: I am focused on this season and playing for the Vancouver Canucks, helping the team in any way I can. I will not have any further comments this year about my future. And he was later asked at practice why he sent out the statement here is Bo Horvat on that no at uh, this point it's just it's it's not about me I mean uh, you know I've always wanted to keep this kind of thing confidential and I've always um, right from the beginning of the season uh, when the season started I just wanted to focus on hockey and focus on the team and and winning games and, and trying to lead this team by example and and not let this be a distraction and um 
you know, that's why I kind of released a statement where I just want to, you know, people to respect my, my privacy and, and my choice to, um, you know, keep this confidential and private. And, and right now I'm just trying to focus on the team. And that's winning games, trying to make the playoffs, and, and uh, I'm trying to lead by example night in and night out. And I feel bad for my teammates having to, you know, hear all about about this, um, you know, in the media. And, and I, I don't want it to be a distraction, so I apologize to them. And for me, it's just uh, focusing on winning hockey games here. If you read between the lines of what Horvat is saying there, <laughs> he's sort of telling you, uh, don't believe this leak about a rejected contract offer came from our camp. It didn't come yeah. from our side because if it did, he wouldn't have had to release this statement or, you know, it, it, it feels as though Bo is sort of playing or his camp is playing catch up here after uh, the news was leaked yesterday about this uh this rejected contract offer. Yeah, and you know, you guys had Frank Valley on yesterday, and Frank mentioned something, reiterated something that he told uh, Bick and I, who was in for you last week as we played musical chairs on Canuck Central. Oh, yeah. uh, he he mentioned that he believes there was some sort of discussion, and it t- fits in with the timeline we mentioned 10, 11 days ago. He said close to two weeks, and you go back a week, you said about a week or so ago. So, this was something that was out there, kind of, but obviously came and became a bigger story yesterday when there was more detail. And I think the biggest detail that came out yesterday, and you saw Rick mention it, was the whole that it's an eight-year offer. And when, when you hear the eight years and you hear Elliot today mention and the number started with a seven, it's really easy to look at it and say, okay, did he really turn down $56 million? Mm-hmm. And if he turned down $56 million, like, what have you been doing here? You know, like then it's obviously never going to happen because I see no world, Dan, where the Canucks are actually willing to pay Bo more total money than they gave JT Miller. Yeah. It doesn't really make a ton of sense to go that high on a Bo, Hor- Bo Horvat contract offer. I, The more I've sort of thought about this, at the more I sort of wonder where that number ended up mm-hmm. being and you know I know you've talked a lot and and yesterday when you were on the people show you mentioned uh, the, the Shen contract quite a bit is is that where you think the rejected contract offer was at least in the ballpark of so it's really fascinating because like it, when you look at AAV and then you look at the term and then you look at what's being thrown out there. It's, it's again, it, it's really easy to look at it and see it as 56 million. What I wonder though is that it was, hey, here's total money, X amount. You wanted seven or eight years, you figure it out. And why I say that is because that's what Rutherford himself told us when we asked him about how much does total money matter here? You know, like, what does it really come down to total money? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. That's what it comes down to. First, you figure out what the total money is, and then you figure out how to spread that out over term. Do you do longer term? Do you do shorter term? How do you make it work over a certain amount of years? And obviously, any po- contract Bo Horvat signs is going to be seven to eight years. You go eight years, AAV comes down a little bit. I don't think the total money was Braden and Shen money. I don't think so. Now, I, I know it may have very well been, and that's why I say if that's actually the case, then there's no way they're going to even be able to talk again and figure this out because I don't see the Canucks going you know, above J.T. Miller money or even going to J.T. Miller money to, to do it. And if they did, then that shows they, they, they moved significantly from the 40-some million offer they made as a Ryan Nugent Hopkins ones that all of a sudden it's go to 56 to 60 million potentially. So what I've kind of heard is that it's below the, the Braden Shen money too which 
if you look at below Braden Shen, well, that's still 7 million AAV if you do over seven years. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're still talking about over 7 million per season. You're still talking about potentially over $50 million. I just don't know if the total money was actually approximating JT or Braden Shen. Like, that's kind of what I've heard, and we'll see what ultimately, you know, where it goes and what he signs for. But that's what I heard on the total money that it, it didn't even get to Shen or obviously the JT Miller total money. Now, I'll do respect to uh, Bo Horvat, but I do believe that is a very fair contract offer for the player. Yes, he is the captain of your team. Yes, he is and has been a great face for this franchise for a long time. But those are sort of things that are extras to the production of a player, which is ultimately what you need to base a contract offer on. And, you know, I think about the discussion of an eight-year contract offer somewhere in the nude range from the summer, I look at that as a very reasonable contract offer for Bo Horvat, given his track record coming into this season. Not the 20 goals he has now, everything he did as a Canuck before the start of this season. It was maybe on the low end of where Bo should be, 100%, but not an unreasonable contract offer for Bo, not a, a bad starting point by the Canucks in negotiations. Now here we are. Bo's having an incredible season, definitely. He's done a ton to improve his game and the hardest area of the game to improve. That is goal scoring. But the Canucks still aren't dominating opponents with him on the ice at 5-on-5. Five five. And over the last three seasons, because nobody wants to base a contract off of 30-ish games that we've seen here... The Canucks have outscored their opponents by one goal at 5-on-5 five five with Horvat on the ice. So how much more does his camp really expect to get? Am I the one underestimating how much the league values Horvat and what that could look like come free agency in the summer? I see a centerman who can score at a close to 30-goal clip, maybe a little bit above that, is going to give you a lethal power play threat, and is going to be trustable in any face-off situation that you have but he still falls a little bit short of being a big-time number one center in this league and not a player I would say is worth a contract number starting with a nine, as we heard Frank Saravalli talk about last week. That's the kind of money you're going to have to pay him in Vancouver. I mean, come on, what are we talking about here? Everybody seems to hate the JT Miller contract because he was a one-hit wonder, which is not exactly true. But with Bo, we're just accepting that he might be a top-five goal scorer in the league now? Stop it. This this needs to stop. I get you like Bo Horvat. He's the captain of your team. But that doesn't all of a sudden make him worth $8.5 million or wherever that number is now being ballparked at. He hasn't been as big a producer as JT Miller. That's why the number shouldn't be above JT Miller. Maybe we can have the discussion it's even. I think that's even a little bit of a stretch for me personally. But... That's just not where I see a Bo Horvat contract really bringing value for whatever team signs him to that. Now, this isn't even about cap space or anything like that either, Sat, because, I mean, the Canucks have the cap space to do it should they want to go that far for Horvat. And let's leave aside the, the endless conversation of the Canucks being in purgatory for so long and how that would factor in with keeping the same core group around. There needs to be change here. But if we just focus on the valuation of the player and whether or not the Canucks are in the ballpark of what a fair offer is for their captain, 
based on what we've talked about and what you just told me, I think they definitely are in the ballpark of what a fair offer looks for Bo Horvat. And so the Canucks are putting the ball in his court now. They've made it a fair offer. He said no. By doing that, he's essentially said or decided where his future lies, and it's not as a Vancouver Canuck. The, the thing I will say is we get caught up in AAV again. Nine million. Well, maybe somebody's willing to give him nine times six. Nine times six is fifty-four million. Like the AAV stuff and the year stuff, I, I find that's the stuff that gets thrown out there. And and I think actually what it does, it creates a bit more mystery and intrigue about what that number can be, which can help the agent. It can help the team, for instance. Like it depends on what you're trying to accomplish, right? Like if you're, let's say you're Rutherford and you don't want to sign Bo or you want to trade Bo, well, you want to make it seem like you made a huge offer that he said no to. So now you got to go out and trade him because we have no choice. But but really, was that offer truly the number you? think that it was right so i can see somebody giving bow nine but it's going to be six years or five years that's 54 million like i see the ballpark for bow in free agency to be somewhere around 56 million maybe the high end maybe the high end dan and you can't dismiss this is somebody gives them eight and a half million over seven years that could happen in free agency yeah. right and i think if you're a bow and you're saying okay I've taken all the risks to get here so far. I don't have an extension. I've scored 20 goals in the first 28 games. I know I'm getting at least the JT Miller contract in free agency. So why, why take less now? So why settle now? Like, I've come this far. I may as well. If they want to give me 56, 57 million, sure, I'll sign. But I know I'm getting that at least in free agency. So why give these guys a break now when I've taken all the risks to get to this point? So, so I wonder if that comes into play and, and I'm not trying to like say, you know, Bo's worth the money, but I can understand why he's driving the bargain he's driving, especially when you've gotten to the point you've gotten to. But I'm just wondering what the overall money offer was. Because if it truly was seven times eight, and that's what they offered Bo, then it's not happening. It's over. It's done. You know, but if it was actually a little bit less and they're willing to get to that point at some point, and let's say in a couple of months, and I mentioned this yesterday, I, I don't think they're completely done talking to Bo. If somebody makes them a trade offer they can't refuse, obviously it'll happen and he'll get traded. But I think there'll be another run at it. And if they get, if they actually, if, and, and if they take another run at it and he ends up signing for something around JT Miller money, then it kind of shows you that, okay, the offer this time, as much as it seems like it was massive, wasn't quite at the level that he would say yes to. Like, would he, does it make sense for him to say less yes to anything that's under $53 million right now, if you're Bo? I mean, I, I didn't expect this number to be over 50 coming into disagree. this season. I didn't expect I it to be over 45 coming into I, this season. I get it, but and here's the other thing, Dan. It's fine for us to say, don't sign Bo to it. It doesn't make sense for this team to do it. But if Bo's going to get that somewhere, power to you, man. Go and get your money. You know, like, I don't begrudge you at all. If that's truly where you're going to get in free agency, if you truly believe you're getting at least 56 to 60 million or 59 and a half million in free agency, and if Vancouver doesn't come close after getting to this stage, power to you, man. Go, go, and, go and get that contract. I just don't think Vancouver's giving him that deal. You know, it, I, I don't see Bo continuing the season that he's having either. So, yeah, like, do you sign the, the $53 million contract or 52-ish, wherever that number may have been, maybe even a little bit below that? Maybe that's selling your short, yourself short in this moment right now, but is he going to keep up this high pursuing shooting percentage that he's been on for the entire season? You know, is he going to keep up this Aaron Judge level of contract year in the NHL that he's been on so far to this point? 
I'm not so sure. Does he get to over 40 goals? The numbers sort of check out that it looks like a very realistic proposition because he's only got 20 more to go and he's still got 52 games left on the table. So, yes, it's a very realistic possibility. But even then, I, I do wonder if 56 60 million dollars is really on the table and so we're talking about a a couple of million bucks here or there give or take maybe five million at the high end of of how far apart this gap still is to bridge and I I think that hints at the idea that Horvat's just not giving in on a any kind of a hometown discount which you sort of talked about in the past that that maybe has gone out the window for the captain. And I do wonder if the player ultimately is sort of tired of the same thing that we've seen here in Vancouver, and that is falling short of expectations, not being a great team, being on the outside of the playoffs, looking in. I would get all that from Horvat's perspective if that's part of his mindset here right now that, you know what, part of my – I don't know if I want to commit to the Vancouver Canucks, given everything that's happened here in my career and the idea that I'm right in the thick of my prime and I want to start playing with a winning hockey team and have a chance at the Stanley Cup, which I don't really have here right now. Yeah, well, I mean, and and that's the that's the other part of it that you kind of wonder. I'm not sure if Bo has completely closed the door on on coming back to Vancouver like I think if, if they did offer him what it's, he's it's probably for. not a close the door for me just simply my opinion here but you know um th- there's got to be part of Bo that thinks the grass might be greener on the other side no I, I'm sure I'm sure I but think also, it's more, more like that you know I, I understand that but I think that he's also very comfortable and settled here right and he's he's his his kids you know have have been here his family's rooted in here and he's talked about how important that comfort is to him so i i i I just stopped short of being so sure that he necessarily wants out like i think that honestly i think it would make bo very happy if he got the offer he wanted for vancouver he'd be like you know what thanks (laughs) you know like i i think he'd he'd feel good about it at the end okay we got there it sucked but we we got there you know but I, i think it's at a stage where it's going to be hard for him and anybody at his camp to be like, you know what, you got to you got to plug your nose and take this one. You might be taking, uh, you know, and I'm not even. I, here's the thing: maybe he was willing to give you a five million dollar discount. Maybe now that discount he's willing to give you is two million or one million. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like before it was kind of like, hey, let, let's hey let's try to make this work here. Like I don't think it's that. I think you have to be very very close to what he thinks his market value is for you, for him to sign. And I think that's, I don't know if that's him wanting to out. I just think that's him saying. Given how the situation has gone, that's the tax you're going to have to pay. It's, uh, it is fascinating how this is all played out. And one thing is for sure, the Canucks, um, uh, for me, it's the, the reason you know, the, the rejected contract offer comes out. I think it's, it's pretty simple. It's maybe sort of priming the market that their captain may be traded in the next couple of months. I, I don't think it's, it goes much deeper than that. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I I don't want to do the 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 fence riding thing, and and I know Elliot today on uh, Donnie and Dolly will talk to Don Taylor a bit later on. He did kind of mention that he wouldn't be surprised if we're, if we're talking here in February about um, you know another kick at the can or whatever. Because one thing I did hear talking to people last night and today that 
this may have not been the last try. You know, like it, this may have not been the last try to get a deal done. And, and hey, I, and what I think is true is that they're really listening to trade offers. And again, if somebody gives them what they truly want, I think they'll make the deal. And I think that's what happens with these offers is like you, you go to a stage and you say, okay, this is a number we really like. If he signs this, let's do it. But then if he doesn't, okay, let's see what's out there. And then if that doesn't materialize, you might have one more stage you go to that makes you a little uncomfortable. You say, okay, but let's see if this gets it done. And if that doesn't get it done, it's over. I don't know if this one was that last one. You know what I mean? Like, even if you look at the timeline for where we're at, like, I don't think that was the last one. And also, when you look at the fact that this offer was made two weeks ago, there's no trade imminent. I mentioned this yesterday. This wasn't made. This announcement didn't come out because, oh, they're close to a trade. They want this out there because they're trying to make a trade. They're, they're, they're close to getting it done. I think this has been percolating for a little while, like Frank mentioned to you guys again yesterday. Uh, we've still got a lot to get to. Um, salary cap. Maybe the early season projections, surprise, or maybe uh, a little bit, um, well, uh, not as, they were uh, hopeful, uh, is the word, uh, for those early season projections of the cap being able to go up as early as next offseason. Gary Bettman, not as uh, hopeful when he spoke at the Board of Governors meetings today. We'll talk about that and what it means for the Canucks cap outlook in the next couple of years. Irfan Gaffar will drop some intel on what he thinks is ongoing and uh, part of why this uh, Horvat conversation has picked up in the last couple of days as well. Sportsnet 650 has teamed up with the Greater Vancouver Food Bank for Food Bank Friday. This virtual fundraiser for the Greater Vancouver Food Bank is December 16th from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and raises important funds for accessible, healthy, and sustainable food for individuals and families. Donate today by texting to 30333. A carrot emoji is $5, a banana donates $10, and a heart will donate $25. Standard text messages, text message charges do apply. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. You are listening to Canuck Central. Okay. Canuck Central in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. And we are brought to you by Grip Auto Entire. Quality service you can trust and 14 locations to serve you. Uh, wow, the, uh, <laughs> the text message inbox is uh, full right now. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of love or love hates takes a lot of takes takes on takes on takes on the uh, text inbox, and it's funny for there's like one person's like stop with all the Bull Horvat trade stuff nobody cares the 400 and other text messages <laughs> may beg to differ. <laughs> uh, I should note like the text message inbox isn't like a, it's not like a voicemail where like the the inbox can get full. Uh, it's uh, it, it is endless, so it's got unlimited space. You can keep sending them in 650, 650 Dunbar Lumber text inbox, and uh, we can get to some of your text messages. Just like Russell Wilson's uh, suckage, it is endless, <laughs> unlimited, <laughs> unlimited, unlimited. Uh, our next guest knows a little something about that. It is uh, Irfan Gaffar <laughs> of the fourth period and Canucks insider. What's up, Irf? I'm fine with the Russell Wilson slander. I have no problem with that. Uh, Hawks are blowing their uh, their playoff chances, but oh, also, uh, also like nearly it guaranteeing a top five good. pick with the Denver Broncos, so it's good. Well, I mean, let's. I mean, that's that's the benefit of it, right? You you make this pick, they pay him 
a quarter of a billion dollars and <laughs> we get a second we get the second or third overall pick. It's great. Uh, so did uh, did Bo Horvat reject a quarter of a billion dollars? I don't think it was quite that much. But... <laughs> I don't think it was that much either. Okay. But I mean, look, I, I think uh, what we know is is that Saturday you and I have talked about obviously use well reach is I don't think we can look at the term as what the big picture is here. It's the total money. Mm-hmm. So what we're looking at right now is the total money under fifty million dollars, probably for what that contract was for Bo Horvat. Um, that's what I believe. And I don't think that, you know, the, the, the max offer or, or the max term was, was, was the biggest thing in it. I think it was total money. And I think that's the important thing when we have to look at, at in this contract. Yes, the extra year could be good, but it's, it's, it's your total money at the end of the deal. And I think that that's the big thing that what the Horvat camp is looking for is what's the magic number going to be by the time the end of, by the time they sign the contract or if they end up, if they end up doing it. Well, you know, that's the, that's the interesting part. So, so, because I, I trust all the reporting in terms of, you know, yeah, the I mean, Canucks so making I. an offer, making, you know, and I know Elliot kind of mentioned, you know, it, maybe it was a seven in front of it. To your point, I think we always get caught up in AAV and we caught up in the years. It's about the total money because you can be like, yeah, you know, sure, you can sign this contract for seven years if you want. And then the AAV is over seven million, you know, but if you go eight years, AAV goes under six million because we're talking about the same total money spread over eight years versus, versus seven years. So I think that's where a lot of this comes into. So... Like, do you think it was actually under fifty million then? Like total money? I do. Ones? Really? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and I and I think that that's kind of one of the reasons. Well, look, from the Canucks' perspective, you had to go and make an offer, right? You owed it to Bo Horvat to go and do it, especially with the way that he's playing. Guy's got twenty goals in, in as many amounts of games this season. But I, I think that you know they owed it to him to at least try and see what the number would be at. And obviously, they 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 pitched their number, and the Horvat came back and basically said no. And now they're not going to talk about it for the rest of the season. Obviously, Bo isn't publicly, nor is his agent. But um, that's not to say that the Canucks are not going to circle back and try and make an offer again. It's not mm-hmm. a foregone conclusion that they're they're completely done with this and and Bo's going to be traded. You know, it, it, it's imminent. Like I mean, that they still have to find a trade partner. That's the number one thing, right? And then the second thing is what what do you want in return for a player like Bo Horvat? And another thing is. You have guys like Jonathan Taves on the market. You have guys like Ryan O'Reilly on the market, guys that have won Stanley Cups. And if contending teams are looking for rental players that are champions, I'm sorry, those two guys are probably ahead of Bo Horvat, right? And if there is a team, I know Frank does great reporting, but if there is a team that's willing to pay Bo Horvat $9 million a season, why hasn't that team traded the entire farm to get him right now? Like, that just doesn't make sense to me. Irfan Gafar, our guest. Uh, so as... Um... Under fifty million dollars total, like that's I guess that's Nazem Kadri money. I, I mean, I yeah. look, I, I didn't expect Bo to be above that really prior to this season, uh, but now he's got twenty goals in twenty eight games. So conversations well, changed, I guess. And, and and we know before the season started, you know, they there was a there was a rumored offer of uh, of the Nugent Hopkins deal, which was exactly that as well. well what, right? So that so was five point one two five per year, right? Or something like yeah. that, and then over eight years, which was forty-three million. So yeah. if it's so it still, let's, still still comes in as less than fifty, it does come in. Yeah, but to, to your point though, you're right. I think if you do the math and you look at it, if their offer went up one million per year, then they would say, hey, "Here's forty-nine million. Let's split this over seven or eight years, right? Over yeah. seven years is seven times seven. Over eight years is six point one two five. Right. So yeah. I mean, this is this is again like how you decide to split the money over seven or eight years, where it becomes interesting and. 
And and to me, that's in line. Let's say if they actually made the Nugent Hopkins offer, like Frank mentioned, that means your initial offer was what forty two, forty two million or so, forty three. Your next offer goes to forty six to forty nine. So where does the third offer go? And what does get it done with Bo? Does Bo say no if they offer him fifty two and a half, the Brayden Shen contract? I think once it, if it gets to that fifty over fifty million dollars, I think he's got to strongly consider it. I mean, I know that you know they they his camp values him as you know it's got to be there's got to be an eight in front of it. I mean, what's to say that seven eight five or maybe seven seven five, anything above that times seven years doesn't get it done? I mean, Bo, that's just stupid to not take that contract, right? But uh, look, if he keeps putting up the numbers that he is, and you know there might be a little cooling off period, but the way that he's playing, you know, he's he's very good in the faceoff circle. He's really good on the power play, and he's putting up goals, and he's and he's and he's taking the team on his back in in key situations, and and teams do value that, but. You know, for his trade value right now, just with other guys that are available and, and what you're going to have to pay Bo, that's going to be the tough, the, the tough deal to make, right? Because And are other teams going – is Jim Rutherford going to let other teams talk to Bo Horvath about an extension? That, that, that's another thing that we have – or is Patrick Alvin, that's another thing that they have to take into consideration, right? So there's a lot of things that are happening here right now. And, yes, I know it all happened over the weekend and the shoe dropped on, on Monday and, and everything – that's been reporting the last couple of days. A lot of it is, is very, very accurate, if not super accurate. But I just think that um, from what we know and from what I've gathered over the last couple of days, that the, it, it just, it had a seven in front of it and it was under $50 million. Irfan Gafar, our guest. So, you know, I, I, I sort of wonder like why this, this all came out. And I think the way it's played out over the last couple of Are days. Are you surprised though? Um, no, no, not totally because it, it feels like, the Canucks maybe uh, trying to prime the market for the idea that uh, that their captain's about to get traded in the next couple of months. Okay, that's what it yeah, feels like I to mean, me. Yeah, absolutely, but if I'm a team looking at it right now, look at the other guys that are available, right? It, 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 is, is Bo going to be a rental guy, or is he going to be a guy that you see as, as a part of your team solution for the foreseeable future? Like the well, Colorado uh, Rapids, until and, until O'Reilly and Larkin, uh, like until their situations change, you know, like Bo's not even the top centerman rental that's on the market potentially. I would think contenders well, exactly. would prefer O'Reilly over Bo Horvat. I mean, he's not the top centerman on his own team right now. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, the goals are great, but if you look at it in all reality, at least Pedersen's the number one guy. Yep. So that's that's another thing too, which is why, like, yes, it, it's great, and Bo's going Bo's going to get his money somewhere. I just don't know if he's going to get all of it here. And from what we're hearing, yes, they're going to make another. They're going to try at least if they can't trade him before the deadline, or at least at some point um, in the next couple of months here. Um, they're going to circle back. Uh, yeah. I, I don't see why they wouldn't. I think if you look at, uh, you know how we how we often say past history is always the best indicator for future behavior, <laughs> uh, and we don't have a ton of track record, but it is really. Like, I, I do think, and I've been mentioning this too, like there there are similarities with how the JT Miller thing unfolded, right? And and what's kind of unfolding with Bo that they made a couple offers at different times. They're hoping for a team friendly one. It didn't go anywhere, and then they really tried to see if they could get the value they wanted. And they did it. And then eventually they got around and they signed him. And I don't know if that's going to happen with Bo. Like, I, we'll see ultimately. And maybe their circle back is just going to be like, hey, here's the same offer again. Have you changed your mind? You know what I mean? It could just be well, that, right? And, like, and, 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 and who's to say that he doesn't, right? Exactly. Who knows, right? If that, But if that's kind of the next thing, then, hey, maybe it's not going to happen. But we saw a similar trend where at the draft, and we talked so much about this at the draft, the Canucks – 
they made an offer to JT. It was what in, in the in the forty million range somewhere, right? We talked about that mid forties or something that it was. He said no to it. The Canucks listened. I don't know if they tried hard to trade him, but they certainly explored a lot of trades. Nothing happened. Wait two months. They circle back. They got him signed. So I think if, if they don't get the deal they want, you're right, Irv. In two months before the deadline, before they know for sure they have to trade him, there'll be some sort of circle back. But it goes back to what we've been talking about. The Canucks want that one good player, that one package for anybody, and they have yet to be offered that. Well, that's the thing. I mean, both a top 10 pick. He's the captain of this team, and he's putting up really good numbers. He's a very, very good hockey player. You're not just going to sell him for nothing, right? The Canucks are from, for... Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, they're not just looking to trade Bo Horvat because they have to trade him and they can't afford to keep him. They also have to look at improving their hockey team. And Bo's your biggest asset right now. I mean, no disrespect to Brock or, or Garland or, or any of those guys, but Bo's, Bo's your guy. I mean, Demko might have been if he was healthy, but right now it, it's Bo Horvat. So not only are you looking for the right deal for Bo, you're looking for the right deal to improve your hockey team. You're not just going to give him up for nothing. And I think that that's why we're going to see this one take a little bit more time then people a may may have hoped and b well, we just have to see what happens yeah and it's it, you know we we know that they uh they were listening to offers for for miller last year and even yeah. through the course of the summer they never really met the price that they had believed jt miller was worth um i, I do feel though that the league reputation on horvat is is maybe stronger than it has been or was for JT Miller. So that, that could I, play a difference. Yeah, there. I think that as well. I think JT Miller had a reputation when he started his career. Yeah. And I think that that carried, that carried him a little bit, obviously. You know, he's been on a few different teams, and you look at he leaves the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they went back and they went back-to-back Stanley Cups, right? He leaves the New York Rangers, and look what happens there. But he's on the Vancouver Canucks. He's over-appointed a game guy. He's got 99 points last season. That's why he got paid $8 bucks. Yeah. Well, he's a top-15 scorer since becoming exactly. a Canuck in the league. Yeah, that, that's why he got paid, right? But I, I think in this market, when you look at it, it's why did they decide to go with him over a guy that's younger? You know, he's the captain of your team. And what was the direction and what was the decision-making thought process behind that? So from the outside looking in, it's yes, JT was our guy. And this is the future that we're going to go with because we think that we can get something for, for Bo Horvat. And now they, they owe it to Bo to at least try and re-sign him right now. And if they can't do it, they'll try again. And then by that by that March fourth deadline, um, NHL trade deadline day, it's going to be interesting to see if both can act long term or not at all. Yeah, and I mean, I think what also has complicated all of this because. It, the notion the Canucks have to clear money to sign Bo isn't true. They need to clear money to sign both Bo and Kuzmenko and have money to do other things. That's what they needed for. So it, it's always been more than, it's always been about more than having money for it. You know, because like if you're trying to sign him today, like the Canucks were or two weeks ago and, and didn't happen, what does that tell you? That tells you that if the offer, even if it was seven, it's not that far off eight. It's a million dollar difference. The money's there. You know, it, it's not yeah. about it's not about whether they have the money to sign Bo or not. It ultimately comes down to is the contract going to be worth it or is it better value for us to get a, something back in return via trade and not sign the player to that contract? I think ultimately that's what it is with him. So I don't know if it does hinge on Brock Besser getting traded or somebody else getting traded, but what what that does do though, I think it makes it easier for them to just do their business as opposed to worrying about Bo. Well, the Brock deal no matter what happens, it's going, to be, it's going to be very, very hard for the Canucks to make because they don't want to eat any salary. And a lot of teams don't want to take on that contract. 
for the next couple of seasons, right? The Connor Garland, Garland one, I've said before, if they could move him now, they would. Um, but there's just, it's just right now, it's, it's a very soft market for a lot of their players. <clears throat> and I think that that's the reality of it, right? So you're going to, you're going to field calls. You're going to take calls. You're going to be active in discussions because you should. And that's your job as a general manager. And, and as Jim Rutherford and, and Patrick Alvin and, and his staff need to do is they need to try the best situation, not only to find the best fit for Bohorvat, but to improve their hockey team. And not only for this year and, and, and next year, Sat, you got to sign Elias Pedersen. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, you're okay. Yes, it's a couple of years down the road. There's going to be money for it. But you have to know in the back of your mind what that number is going to be at. Because if he has a ridiculous season next year, and he has a ridiculous season next year, the number starting at 11. And then what are you going to do? You have, mm-hmm. you have uh, two guys that you're playing close to $20 million to as your top yeah. two centers. I mean, other teams have done it, and they've done very, very well and, and had success. But your defense is no good right now. You have to improve that. How do you improve that? You're not going to be able to buy out a guy like OEL, right? Even though it said that, you know, the, there was thought that the Canucks may be looking to buy out people in the summer. That's a big buyout for that guy. He's not waving to move his no-trade clause. Are you going to be able to trade Tyler Myers? You hope you can, just for someone to take on that contract. But then even then, you have to sign players. You still can't play with the, with the guys on the farm right now. No disrespect to Jack Rathbone. He probably should be playing in the NHL right now and getting games, but you still need more guys to, to improve this hockey team. We, we always knew a change was going to have to come somewhere, right? From from day one, Rutherford said uh, some tough decisions are going to have to happen here and all of this. It hasn't happened as soon as, as many would have liked. But, you know, when they, when they signed Miller, they sort of hinted that this Bo Horvat situation could be the one really tough decision that they were going to have to make. And they may have to stand a little bit of a harder line on Horvat contract negotiations than they did maybe with with JT. All of those things are true, but you know, one of the unfair criticisms that I've seen since this story broke yesterday was, oh, how do you have OEL and and Tyler Myers and and, and all these guys when and, and now you don't have any money for Bo Horvat. It's like, well, this management group had nothing to do with those players being on this roster. And it's not their fault that those players are incredibly difficult to move in order to make more space to make other changes, other necessary changes on the roster. I, like there, there's fair criticisms here on how this management group has done so far. And then there's some that are unfair. And I thought some of that was unfair yesterday. Yeah. I mean, if you look at most, around the league when GMs get fired or president of hockey ops get fired and, and they bring in someone new, there's obviously a little bit of a mess that they have to clean up. Right. Yep. And it takes time. So for the Vancouver Canucks, yeah, unfortunately this mess is a really big one with OEL's contract and, and the guy like Tyler Myers contract. It looks like an um, episode of hoarders, you know, like that's <laughs> <laughs> like, there's just a lot of stuff that that's kind of left over here that, that, that they're having a very difficult time parting with. Yeah, I mean, well, they're not. No one's buying what they're selling. Yeah, <laughs> right. Except for maybe Bo Horvat. Yeah. At this point, but you you have to hope that that's your golden ticket to to start whatever reconstruction of this roster that there might be, and that's kind of where they're at right now. Look, they made the offer. Uh, they didn't like the offer. That's what a contract negotiation is. Now, are they going to back and or are they going to go back and maybe make another offer? Probably at some point down the road, unless they do trade them. And I think that that's kind of where they're at right now. That's why you see the, the Horvat statement come out saying that he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Uh, doesn't want it to be a distraction to his teammates. Dude had to say that he apologized to his teammates for, for being a distraction. But you knew this was going to come at some point. Like, I, I don't think the Canucks can be naive in the fact that they didn't know 
that this was going to happen at some point this season where, okay, maybe Bo didn't get off to the start that they think he would, and he's obviously exceeding expectations. But when you sign JT, Bo didn't accept the first offer, then he didn't again. Like, now you know that he was going to be asked about it. So now you're left with this mess, and you have to clean it up. Yeah, when in, and the question does kind of it rolls down to so many different layers of what they want to do here and and what might, might have to happen. And I know Luke Shen's another guy that kind of falls into the category of hey, you know, do they end up signing him or trading him? And I know the the organization does really value him, so it wouldn't shock me that if he ends up if he does end up getting signed before the trade deadline, but it all comes down to like what the valuation is out there, right? Like could they Canucks be in a situation where they end up, let's say they end up extending Bo Horvat. They don't make any of the big moves they have and they're being offered a third or a fourth round pick for Luke Shen. Could you, could you afford to bring him back as well? If you don't make any other deals? Well, you, you might have to, right? You got to get players that can play. Like if, if you don't bring him back, I know Luke's, you know, getting a little bit long in the tooth a little bit, but he's, he's the guy that's, been one of their more consistent defensemen this season. And that's saying something, right? So you, 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 you hope so. I mean, there was, there was a thought that they might have thought about bringing Tyler Myers back or uh, Tyler Mott back at some point. But obviously the money didn't work there. Now, are they going to do some sort of, you know, handshake deal with Luke Shen saying, okay, well, we're going to trade you, but we really, really want you to be back. Knowing that he really likes it here. This is a good situation for him and his family. And he probably does want to come back and, and, and we'll take whatever amount of money that they're going to give him and, okay, go try and win, the, win a Stanley Cup with whatever team, right? Cause, because this team clearly wants you and they're willing to give up a third or fourth round pick for you. At this point for the Canucks, you have to acquire assets right now. Yeah. You, you, you need to at least try. You've got to improve your hockey team. You've got to improve Abbotsford. This team right now on paper isn't a Stanley Cup contender for how many years? For a long time. Right now, as currently <laughs> constructed, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel why the fan base is angry because you haven't had anything to be really happy about. There's been glimpses of it. Bo Horvat's off to a great start this season. Leah Patterson's playing ridiculous. JT Miller's a point-of-the-game guy. But beyond that, K. Demko is a nice story. What are the pieces around you that you've put together to create this group that you can see in the long run, maybe two years down the road, that this team, okay, is going to be a sick Stanley Cup contender? I don't know. You guys tell me. I have no idea. Yeah, no idea. I, I, I mean... Right now, they look further away today than they did at the end of last year. Yeah, right. And uh, other teams are, and other teams around them are getting better. Look at the LA Kings. Look at their prospect pool. Yep, prospect pool is incredible. I mean, Anaheim, despite how poorly this season is going right now, really good players. Like yeah. they've got a lot of uh, things coming. Um, it, you know, it, it's never going to get easier, right? So. No. It, with the way the current roster is, you know, like even talking to some of the players yesterday at the, at the sports celebrities festival, it was just like, yeah, we're eight and four over our last 12, but we know we're not playing great hockey right now. So like they, they can even see it, you know, they, they see that this isn't really um, a, a great situation. It's not a sustainable way of winning, winning hockey games right now with how they've even been able to, to patch over it over the last couple of weeks. But you know, something's got to give. They've got to play. They've got to play differently. They've got to play with the better structure that management has talked about. You know, everything that's happened so far this season essentially has confirmed what Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine talked about at the end of last year. <laughs> right? Like, is that wrong? They can score, no. but they can't do much else. Yeah. I mean, it's great that you can come back from being down 4 nothing and win 7-6 in overtime, but you're still pulling the puck out of your net six times a game. Yeah. Right. 
And I don't think that's a sustainable way of winning. I, I, I agree with you. And obviously it's tough on the goalies as well, but like it, it's not always on them. It's about everyone. And I, and I think that that's the biggest thing where they just have to get, I just have to figure out where they get all on the right page. And that kind of starts, you know, right with obviously, yeah. you know, Jim Rutherford and back with Chauvin, Patrick Alvin and, and trying to construct this roster to what they believe is a Stanley Cup contender. And you know that they've, that they've been there, but I'm not saying that, you know, the Canucks have the horses of Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin because they don't, but They've got a couple really, really, really nice pieces to, to to start with. Well, they do, and I mean, as far as even I mean, even trade wise, like you're right. If with Taves being available in the trade market, if Ryan O'Reilly's available in the trade market, you can make the case you'd rather have Bo. But if you're looking at Bo as a rental, the price to acquire Taves is going to be a song because you know they're going to be some retention. He's not going to cost a lot, but teams like the experience and everything, and he comes into the equation. Sure, Ryan O'Reilly, hey. If you want a center who's won in the playoffs, he's your perfect bet if you want to make a playoff push, right? And so I get it. Those things can impact Bull Horvat's market. But, man, like, there can't be any excuses here either, you know? Like, I'm with you, but, like, I, I get you're up against it. You, you got some bad contracts. And, hey, it's hard to move Myers. I get it. You can't do anything with OEL for sure. Like, even the Pearson one. Like, I understand. I mean, those are things you didn't do. But if you can't execute a Bull Horvat trade because there are other centers or other good players available, then man, I mean, you know, oh, then this agree. management team, which I've which I've defended and talked about, hey, they got a lot of smart people. Then maybe you, they're not everything we think they are because you got to be able to make something happen with something that you have here, right? Like that has to happen. Like if you're not signing Bo, it can't be an excuse of well, we tried to do our best and we just couldn't get what we wanted. Well, there's no chance they let this guy walk as a free agent. I mean, no, like, that, that just, yeah. just can't happen, right? So March 4th is the deadline. And obviously, you know, you'll see it happen here in the roster freeze that's going to happen over Christmas time. Nothing will change there. But um, the next, what, little maybe 10 days? Are they going to field more calls maybe? Who really knows? But when you look at it, it's probably a New Year, you know, um, problem that, that, that they're going to have to deal with. And for, for, the, for this team, it's, it's actually quite interesting to see how they're going to go and do it because I agree with you, Sat. There's, there's really no excuse at this point. He's literally your golden ticket. He's, he's under 30 years old. He's putting up a ridiculous number in scoring goals this season. You've got to find someone that wants him and is willing to give up quite a bit to get him. Uh, Messi was pretty good today, hey? Dude, that assist on that second goal or the, their, the, their goal was just a thing of beauty. Oh my that, God. Was, that was ridiculous. Also, the, just the scenes. Like, I know we think that soccer is big in this country and everything like that, and I know I'm comparing Argentina and Canada, but, like, you look at the scenes oh. in some of these countries after wins of games, yeah. and it, it's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, he's going to be a – well, I mean, if they, if they pull it off on Sunday, uh, he's, I think he's already immortal in Argentinians' uh, minds, oh, but uh, even to the next level. Uh, Irf, always appreciate 100%. the time. Thanks, man. All right, gentlemen, be well. Uh, there he is, Irfan Gafar, joining us. And uh, as you heard – Spicy. Uh, a the rejected contract offer he believes was under fifty million dollars of total money. So what did he mention? Kind of cadre seven by seven. Yeah, that's uh, it's a big number, but apparently not big enough. No, I mean it's 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 a big number. It's not quite as I mean, it, but hey, like the JT, we're talking about JT Miller. Mm-hmm. It's fifty-six million. It's it's literally a million, just a million. I'm not saying just it's still a million. It's a lot of money. It's not insignificant, but you're talking fifty-six, forty-nine. It's literally one million dollar per year. And again, this is where we talk about like 
you know, max term offer, seven versus eight years total money and, and what matters. And Stephen Vancouver, I'm just going to do this, make this point. Like People keep saying like total money doesn't matter. It's about AAV. It's about total money. Mm-hmm. It's about like the only time AAV matters is if a guy's like, say, a bit younger and doing a bridge deal and saying, hey, I'm 22, 23, like Brock Besser, you guys aren't giving me the deal I want. I'll rather take a bridge deal because I know I'm going to be getting that bigger contract as I get through my RFA years and, and things like that. And that comes into the equation, of course. That's when AAV can matter a bit more. But when you talk about free agents, guys getting into free agency, especially when they're 27, 28 years old, they want to secure the back. Even if both signs a four-year contract worth $9 million per season, that's $36 million. What's the guarantee that at 32, Bo's the same player? What if he gets injured? Or what, what if he's not the same guy? What if teams are lining up to offer him 2 or $3 million per season at that stage? Hey, he, he could be great and be better and maybe gets even more money, and that's how you bet on yourself. But you're talking about leaving anywhere from 20 to $30 million on the table by taking a shorter-term deal with higher AAV and free agency and then trying to bet on yourself in your 30s to be able to make up that difference again. Like, at best, you might only get the money you gave up at 32, you know? So... I know people are so wrapped up in AAV, especially because of video games, and we see it all the time. Mm. That's what we talk about. But in this instant, that's what it's about. And that's why, you know, I trust all the reporting about this, but I'm so curious about what the total money was and whether and how they said you want to divide it. Because I think they looked at it, and and Rutherford's admitted this. This is why I say this, because Rutherford said this on our show. It's total money that matters, and then you figure out how to spread that out over the term. Can't do it shorter term. Sometimes the money's too much. You want to do it over seven or eight years. And given the Canucks have already offered Bo an eight-year contract, contract at one stage i think they're open to seven or eight years just how you make that money how you want to make that money um spread out for you over that term it's dan richo satyar shaw when we come back uh, more on the salary cap not going up and uh, a couple of things we heard at practice today on the vancouver canucks you are listening to canuck central